with the benefit of hindsight, the historic bull run in American equities that began in, oh, March 2020 and until now has raged on, was driven mainly by the expansion of the Federal Reserve balance sheet and a historic injection of liquidity into financial markets. But what happens when the Fed says the party really is over, guys? We are going to taper faster and raise rates sooner. Well, then, anything that doesn't really make money today but might in some unimaginable future see the ARC fund goes down and probably goes down further as the tightening cycle comes to bear and stocks like ExxonMobil or indexes like XLE that track energy, oil, and gas, well, they have a moment in the sun. We discuss all that and more as ever. We are not experts. This is not investment advice. We know not what we do. Please don't listen to us, but please do enjoy Degenerate Business School. So I've been I've been thinking about what you said, James. Was it in December? I think it was the last last podcast we did, or maybe one previous to that. That uh, at the end of the year, there's basically an understanding coming out of the Fed that the party is over. It turned out that to extend this analogy, we were at a big party, the biggest party of our lives. <laughs> and it turned out that that was just the neighbors knocking on the door at 11 p.m. to tell you to quiet down. And I just ignored the neighbors and said, no, we don't have to shut it down. Let's do shots. And now the police have showed up. It's three in the morning. <laughs> Robert has already gone home because he had to go to CrossFit in the morning. And you and I are in the kitchen doing uh, shots yeah. of wild turkey. <laughs> and we're like, shit, we have to be at work in like five hours. That's how I felt this week. That's the analogy I'm using. Yeah. The, and, the, uh, the Fed minutes was like the cops. It was like the cops showing up. <laughs> it's like, okay, the party really is over and we have to leave if we don't want to go to jail. Uh, and I think the the chart of truth, at least in the near term, is the 10-year yield busted through a significant level, it appears, of resistance, near-term resistance. Uh, shot up this week to 1785. So it, it's like above where it was in Q1 of last year, like the highs that reached in Q1 of last year. And it's not... It's not inflation driven because I think that was all priced in. It's just the Fed's going to accelerate the pace of tapering or is getting more serious about raising rates faster than anyone expected. Bond market priced it in. And like clockwork, um, energy breaks out of this kind of like 
micro consolidation it's been in. Um, and on the opposite end, anything growthy, ARC being our flagship for it, busts to the downside. So like really significant moves that come off of that US 10 year and basically, again, the cops knocking on the door. So I cried uncle. I'm like, I'm just gonna get out, Kathy. I'm out of ARC G. Made a bad call at LABU because I thought rates were gonna go lower. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, there might be a day for Kathy and her ideas. I think there probably still will be in the long term. Like, but to your point, it's like genomics is this like super, as an example, super asymmetric thing. No, no one makes money now. There hasn't been a, a breakthrough yet. So all of the overperformance on ARC was really just this like cocaine addled liquidity party. And uh we might have further to go on, on the sell side. And that was the tweet I sent you from Julian Brigden. That's like, yeah, this, this looks like the NASDAQ in 2001 and yeah. Mark probably has further to go. And it's kind of, it's kind of like, in a way it's kind of what happened with the, with the, the Chinese ETFs last year, where it was just like, there was a, a level of support. You're probably seeing that today on Friday. It's like, some people think, oh, uh, it can't go down much further. So they're kind of like buying the dip on ARC. But mm-hmm. you look at the technical pattern. I did a Fib, Fibnacci sequence on it. Uh, it could have farther to fall. And Brigden is like, yeah, he thinks it's going to 40, the ARC flagship mm-hmm. fund, which is where it was before like the pandemic breakout. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that bad, but I'm like, eh, I'm just going to get out now and maybe like, do what you did at some point which is like still like be a bull on the genomics technology but you can be too early probably better to like buy more genomics later on when we kind of get out of this near term like the liquidity crunch mm-hmm. of 2022 where the fed ends the party yeah gotta get more clarity on rates and valuation and that's why everything's now being revalued yeah, everything that's like 50x revenue, or even some of these genomics without even any revenue, um, need to be revalued. And it, it was ne- it was kind of gonna come because you know the whole this whole you know multiple on revenue, even not even earnings, is is like unsustainable. And so yeah, so I, I'm already kind of stuck in there, and I'm like, oh, I, I'm barely at my cash <laughs> my cost basis. <laughs> I'm about right, you know, whatever a year and a half of gains. Yeah, yeah, kind of down the tubes. Um, and so, yeah, it's like kind of, you know, too late to get out. Probably should have, should, should have hedged a lot more, like I always say, but, um, you know, it's, it's a structural problem looks like, I mean, but, you know, there's, there are still some that are believers. And so, you know, you might get of a bit, yeah, you know, yeah, some, yeah. you know uh, just f- finding, finding that trough. I don't know if it's, you know, 80 in RK or if it's 40 in RK, um, you know, maybe somewhere in between, but yeah, we'll get a bit at some point. But I think the irony is this, that I do think like Kathy's mental model is the right one. Uh, like the cycle of disruptive innovation and like things, even if like they are at a multiple of 50X and it doesn't make sense, can like ultimately still be undervalued over a five, 10 year horizon because there's one of the, one of those companies out there is going to be the one that cracks this like genomics code and it's it's winner take all exponential age thesis now you're just up against the uh the mechanics of the market and like 
star stock pickers eventually perhaps they fall apart because you you've seen like the arc innovation funds being completely decoupled from tesla like te tesla's ripping but the arc innovation fund which still is like 10 percent in tesla is uh falling apart a little bit and conceivably in 2022 as you said if it's just going to be a tightening cycle, if liquidity is going to come out, it's only going to be downside for growth in 2022. Yeah, I mean, with, with all those like active managers, everyone's saying active management, but really most of the hedge funds, they, they, you know, they underperformed the S&P. Exactly. So just like I do. It's, it's just too hard <laughs> to do consistently, right? And you're right, yes, it's yes, a yes, winner yes. take all. But then I think what's the problem with, with, with ARC and all that is like you are spreading your funds out across these companies and a lot of them are just straight trash and they <laughs> will be straight trash all the way through and okay so she's right on tesla and that's winner take off so tesla's but then even then you, all these other stocks are bringing your your uh, good call on tesla kind of down and then you're you know, yeah you, it's, it's like a right? so it's like a you need to be a shark always swimming mm -hmm. forward so like she crushed it on tesla but she needs like another tesla to keep the exponential momentum of her funds up, right? Yeah, it's, and it's too hard. I think the only people that really make hard, money, yeah. it's like even Warren Buffett, right? He was right on Apple, and then he kind of brought up every, all of the, the other crap that he has, you know? And then with Kathy, it's it's Tesla. And, you know, maybe that's the only way you can really make money is like you're just way overweight in something that wins. And then, you know, everyone yes. else is... Yes, know. exactly. And it's like... Well, that that's where... Maybe I'm just being a fool. Again, so it's like, so I'm doing like a small rotation into energy. I'm never going to be Berta who just like looks at near-term patterns and, and trades like a mother, mother effer. But uh, clearly like um, it's, it, we're getting this pro-cyclical rotation again. Uh, energy is probably in a, well, a, a couple of people have argued this. It makes sense that you're kind of in this with energy, like XLE. Um, in the near term, rates are going up. So companies that make money today uh, see a pop, and that's financials, energy, uh, the pro-cyclical trade. In addition with energy, we could be in the last energy, and we're talking about oil and gas, super cycle of, everyone got out of their skis with ESG and like, you know, like the, the flagship momentum in Tesla and it was like called for the death of fossil fuels. But in the, in the end, there's still a lot of internal combustion demand globally. Uh, petroleum still basically accounts for like a lot of the material science out there, like plastics. So super mm -hmm. energy consumption is still outlandishly high. And none of the major producers have invested in exploration. So you have like mm -hmm. supply squeeze, demand is still high, plus energy versus the S&P over the last couple of years has just been destroyed. So mm -hmm. it does look like it's an area for value, but like, I don't know, that's not degenerate, James. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> just a little bit. I basically like, yeah, I like took some of the money that, you know, mm -hmm. I pissed, pissed away on, on ArcG and put it into oil and gas. So I'm, I'm, I've become, I've, I've come around to Berta's way of thinking for, get, at least in some measure. You get some gains, you get some, you know, 5% dividend. 
Yeah, the dividends are nice. So the moon <laughs> right. makes you feel good. And get some, paying some fat dividends at you know Exxon and Chevron and those you know blue chip oil companies. Yeah, um, they've been beaten down so much. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we talk about crypto? Another the yeah. other the other nut cruncher in the bunch. <laughs> um, so there's a narrative out there. Just curious to get your take. Could be true. Could be not that we're at this point in the crypto adoption cycle. So I think intellectually, you know, again, if you're thinking about the long, long-term view, the space is the emerging technology of uh, the last 10 years. So, um, you know, the, lo- the long-term prospects for crypto as an asset class seem strong to quite strong. Even like the major financial shops, like Goldman came out this week and was like, yeah, Bitcoin probably is the new gold and 100,000 is our price target. Yeah, I don't know what their time horizon is for that. But like there is a, then, then there's a lot written about like the intellectual capital that's flying from uh, Silicon Valley and Wall Street into crypto fintech generally. So there's definitely like a secular trend towards the asset class. But, but if 2022 is supposed to be the year of institutional adoption, if the early days was just like guys like Neo from the Matrix and weird libertarians and like really far-seeing technologists and they all made a killing. And now we're at the point where it goes from like retail centric and like outcasts to institutions. Now the problem is like, does the crypto trade now become commingled with like risk on generally? If that's the case, then like, eh, you know, crypto is in for some pain in 2022. There's a liquidity crunch. We're seeing some sell pressure in the, in the near term. Looking at the chart of Bitcoin, like you were still at, I think uh, support if you look at it over a couple of months, but we might break to the downside. We're on a knife's edge. If we, if we go much lower than, I think we're at 41 and some change, we go much lower than that, it, it probably goes to 30, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But again, it's like, I don't know. I just have more, more conviction in over several years that the asset class will grow because there's so much uh, acknowledgement from like the heavyweights that it's a thing. Whereas like genomics and ARC could spend you know, a long time in the wilderness because it's just like an out of favor trade. I don't know. Basically, it's like crypto is this feels like this obvious secular adoption trend, but we're going to get nut crunch in the near, near term. I'm ready for it. I'm just going to ride it out. Yeah. I mean, it's already kind of defied the odds in, 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 the, in the last senses. I mean, it's, you know, whatever the market cap is, trillion dollar market cap for whatever, and then NFTs. And so, you know, it's it's already gotten you know, kind of that widespread adoption that's kind of, you know, really spelled a lot of the naysayers type. But, um, you know, in the, in going forward, yeah, I, I think um, you just got to kind of hang in there. Just similar to, you know, what is it, you know, 18, 20, it might, it might be something similar to that, which would be yeah, yeah, different. Yeah. You, would, you would think as institutional adoption comes in, the, the volatility should go down. Right, um, right. But, you know, that's, again, that this word in that right, right in that process of that happening. But, you know, I'm, I'm still in, you know, there's, there is yet, 
there's already too much kind of liquidity and too much you know market market cap in this to really have it kind of crash and go to nothing. So right, and the, it's yeah. never it's um I was looking at this too. It's not you look at like the ten year yield, right? And again, to some degree, I over rotate on that, but still, it's like this week ten year yield spikes up, pro cyclical stocks shoot up, breakthrough resistance, and like growth stocks just like crash, right? Because <laughs> It's just triggered by valuation models, but like crypto is still a weird, like amalgam of just like pure sentiment, right? Like even the value prop of Bitcoin, it's, it's a consensual hallucination. It's like totally esoteric. It's just like, yeah, digital gold. Like it has this, um, again, like so much of it's purely sentiment driven. So it's like, I guess what I'm saying is if you line up Bitcoin, even over the last like year and a half against like the rate charts, like rates shot up last first quarter and Bitcoin had gone from fourth quarter into the second quarter from 10 to 50,000. Right. So it's like, it doesn't exactly follow the mechanics of the stock market, like the sector rotation within the stock market. It could more look like that. We could be blending it all together, but it's its own animal. So who yeah, it, it is. And that's what like kind of kept me from actually investing, you know, in past years, is because I didn't really understand it. Like, it's not gold, it's a risk on, but it doesn't really behave like the market. And and even with rates too, I think, you know, the whole rate thing is overdone too. Like the 10-year, I think is going to be anchored under two just because of the long-term. The oh, two-year yeah, might go up and then you might get this flattening. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're at 178 or whatever, but I don't think it goes, you know, past two, to be honest, for, for any significant amount of time. No, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, just like bringing that back to you're right. Mm-hmm. It can it can just be like a trigger for so, something like the Arc Fund, which was like if it's already on like if it's already skating on thin ice, something like the ten year can take uh, institutional players like they'll they reduce their exposure based on a sudden move in the ten year, which can create a a selling cascade into retail other institutions. Right, so it's like it, it, Arc is kind of its own thing. But you're right, like it's not like mm-hmm. You want to maybe you want to be in oil for like a decade if you believe in the super cycle thesis, but like not much past that, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you know the last hurrah we're in there. <laughs> so the key, the key is uh, the best trade was just holding Apple the entire time or holding <laughs> holding the Nasdaq 100. Uh, uh, hold crypto, but ignore it. And uh, wait a few years and see if one of these, uh, you know, uh, technology-driven companies starts to break out and actually make money and then just double down on it, like next Tesla. Yeah. Maybe it's a genomics company. It sounds right. I don't know. But it, it will become like the, – the thing I will learn out of all this, I don't know how you feel this way. It's like when t- with Tesla, the lesson was – like just because it went from, I'm making this up, but it went from like $70 to $300. And even then people are like, what this, this is a ridiculous valuation. And then it went from like 300 to a thousand or 800, whatever it is. And now it's like $1,100. And that's after the stock split. So I'm like, obviously misquoting it all over the place. But the point is like, just cause a stock like Tesla goes up, um, doesn't mean it will mean revert based on like historical car company patterns, right? Like 
if there's a genomics company that does that, it will be on an exponential like stock price flat, you know, like flight path. You just have to like, be comfortable with that framework. framework. Yeah, I mean, with Tesla, I mean, though it's at a trillion market cap now. Tough to see it go to you know two, three trillion as opposed to back then when it was at like on a fifty billion. You know, you can you can think about it. You know, these genomic stocks they're kind of under. I think they're all under like ten billion market cap. So yeah, one of them's going to go to hundred billion. You know, at some point. And yeah, you just you have to be ready to pile yeah. into whichever one is clearly outperforming yeah. the others. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, Hopefully it's that, edit. That's how I, it. I still got a little bit in edit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the rough one because I know every time they have a research paper, it's always disappoints. But so I like Intelia the most. They've kind of mm. exceeded the most. But yeah, we have no idea. Yeah, but it's like hey, it was probably one of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, CRISPR. What is it? CRISPR edit. Mm-hmm. CRISPR edit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. What? Are you are you going pro cyclical at all? You buying some oil? Um, like, I, know, I still have okay. some financial XLF calls. XLF okay. are going to expire. That one. I might just re go into that. I have a big position in just like the value, the small cap value, Russell, the IWM, IWN, actually. Oh, okay. Small yeah, cap yeah. Russell. Mm-hmm. So that was like mine, and yeah, I had a pretty big position there just because I let my option ex- my calls expire, and they're just kind of going up but it really hasn't done that much so yeah i'm just i'm just getting killed yeah <laughs> same, same. yeah that's it's a you know i'm not i'm not gonna stop because i just realized like part of this is just it's degenerate business school it's the name of the podcast it's about the action you just want to feel alive whether you win or lose it's like i think al pacino says that in uh in any given sunday or one of those movies that's like degenerate gamblers actually like like losing because it makes them feel alive. Anyway, yeah. Point point being that, uh, but like times like these remind you. It's like if you just look at like what you're invested, you're like, oh, if I just put everything in QQQ, I would have been much better off. But that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Jumping in and out of the indexes like I was doing before. Even then, I was pretty hard too. But. Yeah, we all just kind of want our horses to bet on and you know and yeah, feel alive yeah. when they actually win. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. See, I see sea biscuit. Fine. But what about glue stick? No one's talking about glue stick. <laughs> all right, cool. Um yeah, I'm yeah, the one one final coda just on crypto, because I forgot to mention it. There's two competing narratives. And I have no idea who's right. I could believe either one. One is that, yeah, crypto has become uh, covariate with risk on risk off. That would be bad news for 2022. Uh, uh, the competing narrative is the ETH 2.0, like ETH going to from proof of work to proof of stake mm-hmm. sometime in late Q1, Q2 as being a... Uh, a trigger for a run-up in the entire asset class. Uh, but that could be offset by like these institutional headwinds. So maybe it just like bangs around sideways. Maybe the risk-off trade and the illiquidity really hurts crypto. Maybe you get like a price action higher. I really don't know. But that's that's why it's so fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, investment managers can't stay in cash forever. And so you know, <laughs> they'll just ride this, you know, this, this tightening cycle and then get back in at some point. That's right. So we're primed. We are. All right, dude. Stay strong. Right. Talk to you. you.